Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Come up. I, I didn't ask him. I wouldn't normally do this. but uh, I normally wouldn't put people on the spot like this, but I know Donovan. He's a good, he's a good young man of God. I want you to tell everybody what happened and what the doctor said and then what the Lord has done for you in just such a short period of time. A lot of you were praying for Donovan, so I just wanted him to share testimony with you today. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Um, Thank you, Pastor, and thank you, everyone, just for the prayers and the love. So um, on the 7th of this month, uh, I was helping my dad on a construction site. And unfortunately, I had an accident where I fell over two feet um, and landed in our, in our basement, a concrete basement, over two stories. That's right. Um, see, it's a head trauma. No. <laughs> um, so the, there was a, a little bit of hemorrhaging in my brain, and they said uh, I fractured my skull and multiple bones in my face. Um, but through it all, the doctors were saying, oh, it might take months to recover and, you know, months until he's well. But um, I, we followed up yesterday at the appointment, and the doctor could not believe that I am able to cut, just worship, and I'm able to see fine, and my body is healed because of the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm, thank you, God. He's not done with me yet. He's not done working. He's not done moving and restoring hearts. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise to God. Amen. Not only is he not done, he's just getting started with this young man. Amen. Proud of you, buddy. Praise God. We got the phone call or the text. I can't remember what it was. It was around midnight that he had been med flighted to MCV. And so we went to the hospital and. It was scary. I'm not going to lie. But what God did is just nothing short of amazing. Amen? God's good. You know what else is good? Look around this room. This room is full of people. Isn't this beautiful? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Where's Carl Johnson? I just saw him moving those mics. Make sure you don't step on his blue suede shoes. Amen. I saw my boy rocking in blue suede shoes today. Amen. Why don't you shake hands with your neighbor before we get started? Tell him it's good to see him in church today. Yes, it is. So good. All right, real quick before I start uh, preaching, life groups uh, sign-ups are underway in the lobby. You've already heard about it. We're just getting started. Please make sure you sign up for a life group. Select one so you can connect you can grow, amen. Don't miss out. It's, it's the way you get to know people in the body of Christ, the way you grow in your relationship with God, so, so important. Giving envelopes are also available in the lobby. Pick up a box, take one with you. We have wristbands with this year's theme uh, committed in the lobby. You can grab one of those. Next Sunday is Jersey Sunday. Anybody excited about Jersey Sunday? Break out those old college and NFL and Major League Baseball, hockey, NBA, whatever sport, jersey or T-shirt or sweatshirt, join us for a fun time. We're going to have good church, but it's always fun. I'll never forget the first year we did this, uh, and I wasn't really, to be honest, it was an idea that I had. I wasn't really sure if it was going to go over well or not. And, And, you know, sometimes you have ideas you think are fun, and other people, they don't like the idea. Imagine that. And uh, 
So this particular Sunday, I thought, well, I don't know how well this is going to go over, but the way I knew it was a good idea was when Louise Hickman, who I don't know how old she was at the time, maybe 80, 82 years old, one of the old church mothers, came walking in with her walker with her New Orleans Saints football jersey on. And I knew we had a home run idea then. I said, well, if Louise likes it, then we all going to like it. Amen. So next Sunday, Jersey Sunday, it'll be a fun day. Uh, as you know, to kick this year off, we launched a new sermon series that hopefully is setting the tone for 2019 called Committed. And along with this sermon series, uh, we also launched a 30-day church-wide initiative called Committed 30 Days of Renewal. Now, during the 30 days between January 6th and February 4, which is just a week away, we've been emphasizing four different things. A 21-day Daniel fast, which was from January 6th uh, until January 26th, which was yesterday. Uh, and it, what a blessing it's been. Thank you to everybody who participated in this fast in some form or fashion. We appreciate you doing that. We've also had a 30-day New Testament challenge. And for the first time ever, we challenged this church to read the New Testament in just 30 days. By the way, maybe you didn't do that or you haven't done it. We've got reading charts in the Welcome Center. You can pick up one of those uh, in the lobby. We've also followed 30 days of focused prayer. We've had 30 days of focused prayer covering a different prayer point uh, each day. And today is day 22 of that 30-day focused prayer time. And then we've also had 30-day social media fast. Many of us have been taking a break from social media, and I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't missed it one bit, not even a little bit. We've taken a break uh, from social media that's not work-related, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever, and the break has been very refreshing for some. Uh, it's been a break of an addiction for other people, so I hope it's been a good time in your life. And so I want to welcome you to week number three of our sermon series called Committed. Now, the message that I preached to kick off our new year was Committed to a New Start. Last week, I preached a message called Where Commitment Begins, and we talked about brokenness and repentance. And this week, I want to talk about where you begin after you have laid it all on the altar and have broken yourself before the Lord. I want to preach on this subject, the call to commitment, the call to commitment. Go to your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. And Craig, if you could just give me a smidgen more monitor just a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. And I'm going to read today from the New Living Translation. And it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. By the way, if you ever need a reason for serving the Lord, there it is. All he has done for you. Amen. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The call to commitment. The call to commitment. Thank you. Now, there's so much that can be said on the subject of commitment. I believe that commitment is something that our society, our country, our entire world could probably use a fresh dose of. Even though there's plenty of good examples that we can find around us, you see them around you, and there's some in this building today, great people who are committed to their families, great people who are committed to their church, great people who are committed to their communities. There's also a lot of people today that just don't want to commit to much of anything. People that don't want to commit to their job or to a marriage or even to a local church or to their friends. Some people don't want to commit to their education maybe like they used to. Commitment is a problem for a lot of people. Can everybody say amen to that? You know, I remember when 9-11 took place. Some of you remember it very clearly. People were unified and they were committed. 
after that period of time to fighting terrorism and to coming together as a country. But as time passed, and we all know that in America we've got very short memories, as we begin to count the cost of lives and money and political goodwill, all of a sudden that commitment to unity around our country just wasn't quite there as much anymore. That idea faded away. You see, we want safe airports, but we complain about the security checks. We want a safe country, and we want safe schools, but we complain about civil liberty infractions and metal detectors and Big Brother looking over our shoulder. We want protection, but we don't always want what it costs us by ways of inconveniences. And unfortunately, I have found that when cost is involved, no matter what the issue is, commitment tends to suffer in the process. And the same holds true when you talk about Christianity. There's many churches today where there simply is no call to commitment from the pulpits or from the people who claim to follow Jesus. As long as you show up occasionally on a Sunday, as long as you throw in a little brown envelope every so often with a little bit of money in it, you can feel good about yourself and it costs very little. See, many today just don't want to commit to membership or to tithing or to small groups or to serving one another. A lot of people want religion only if it doesn't cost very much. Is it all right for me just to tell the truth here today? I want you to hear the words of a short poem written by Wilbur Reese, and he called it $3 worth of God. He said, I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Amen. My question today is, how much God do you want? Today, believers want a Christianity that does not infringe too much on our lifestyle or on our wallet or on our calendar or on our prejudices. Amen. We don't want a Christianity that causes us to rethink the way we live or causes us to start liking someone we used to hate or loving someone we used to just like. See, I'm talking about commitment, amen? See, we want a version of Jesus that allows us to hold grudges. By the way, grudge is just a pretty word for bitterness. Let that mull over in yourself for a little bit. We want a version of Jesus that allows us to avoid those that we dislike. A version of Jesus that avoids people of a different race or a different socioeconomic level than we're at. But see, when you encounter the true gospel of Jesus Christ, come on, you can't keep on being the same person that you were, talking the same way you always talked, acting the way same way you always acted, living the same way you always lived. Come on, I'm talking about the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only do we want to be that way, we shouldn't want to stay that way. See, what did Jesus say about this? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. By the way, he said this again in Mark 8 and Luke 9. And if any of you, by the way, are taking the 30-day New Testament challenge, have you caught yourself when you're in the Gospels reading something and thinking, did I just read this? Oh, yeah, I read this three days ago in the other book. Amen. But look at Matthew 16, 24, the words of Jesus. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, see, if we admit it or willing to admit it, we want to go right to the follow me part and skip over the deny yourself and take up your cross part. But Jesus said that to follow him involves answering a higher call of commitment. So you cannot be a follower until you become a denier of self and a carrier of the cross. There's your Twitter quote right there. You can't be a follower until you become a denier and a carrier 
of the cross. In his famous book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Sarah Dunford introduced me to this uh, great champion of the faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died at the hands of Nazi Germany, wrote this. He said, cheap grace is the grace that we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. See, the call to commitment is not a call to cheap grace. It's not a call to a yard sale faith where you can just buy things for a quarter. Amen? The call to commitment is not a buffet where you get to eat all the stuff you like and you skip all the stuff that you don't like. Come on, I'm talking about it's a call to a changed life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, and if you're really in Christ and Christ is in you, then there will be changes that take place in your life. If you're looking for a Jesus where you can just put it on spiritual cruise control and ride the wave that everybody else is creating for you, that's the wrong objective. See, we got a desire to live a committed life. When the pilot of a giant airline is speeding down the runway, there comes a certain point in that takeoff where the plane staying on the ground is no longer an option anymore. I saw a video clip uh, one time of a plane that was touching down in an airport overseas. I can't remember what country it was in. But they were touching down right in the middle of a terrible storm. And the, tra- the plane got hit by a 155-mile-an-hour wind gust. All of a sudden, that plane tipped and it began to twist. And the wing actually brushed, uh, just scraped the runway a little bit. And that pilot had over 300 people on board. And all of a sudden, he made a split-second decision. And he gunned to the engines and he took off again. Right in the middle of landing. Sliding around on the runway. See, there was a line of commitment that he crossed. And when he crossed that line, when he committed to going back into the air, he took off to avoid this disastrous crash. At that point, he could no longer change his mind. He was all in. He had 300 lives in his hands, and he had to make that decision. I've got to commit to getting this thing in the air and off of this runway. You see, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that love the Lord, but they've never gotten the plane off the ground. Or maybe one day you were flying the friendly skies, but, but now for whatever reason, you find yourself grounded. you got to step across that line. See, Christians should not just be sitting around gunning our engines like some teenager in a souped-up car at a traffic light. Have you ever pulled up a light and seen somebody like that? I used to do that until I got a minivan. I saw bumper stickers, some guy. Oh, this was hilarious. This is not, I'm not being, we were driving down the interstate. I think Robin was with me or the girls, I can't remember. Driving down the interstate, we saw this minivan. It had a bumper sticker, and on the back it said, I used to be cool. And then we pulled up right alongside the guy, and he was two knuckles deep in his nose. I said, yeah, dude, you got more problems than a minivan, brother. He used to be cool. But then he committed to the family life. But see, folks, we've got to make up our mind that we're not just going to say we follow Jesus, but we're going to deny ourselves and take up our cross. You know what is the mantra of the uncommitted? I'm planning on it. I'm meaning to. I want to. I'm trying to, I'm going to, I'm aiming to, I'm hoping to, one day, someday, possibly, hopefully. See, you might have responded to the gospel, but I've got to ask you today, have you responded to the call to commitment? Have you responded to the call to go to a higher level? Are you just sitting at the traffic light revving your engines? Are you just sitting on the drag strip waiting to take off? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul issued a clear call to commitment when he said this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's our text. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Now, notice he's talking to believers. This isn't a call to salvation. You're already in the flock. He says, I plead with you. Give your bodies to God 
because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By the way, all transformation begins up here before it ever shows up on the outside. Amen? Transform the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. He said, I'm pleading with you to give your bodies to God. In the King James Version, it literally says, present your bodies. That word present means to have in readiness or to provide or to place at the disposal of. It also means that we dedicate and consecrate and devote ourselves to God as a deliberate act of worship. Paul talked about our deliberate acts of commitment by saying that we're giving him ourselves as living sacrifices. See, the committed life happens when we are not only broken, as we talked about last week, but then when we present this broken and submitted life to Jesus Christ to become a living sacrifice. We present our lives to God and we make them available for his use. We offer ourselves and our services to God as an act of sacrifice. Sacrifice means offering to God something that we value, something that we know that he values. Becoming a living sacrifice to God gives us the confidence that he will receive us as an acceptable offering. See, but this is where our flesh begins to object. It's where it begins to rise up. You know, we might even ask ourselves, isn't presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice a great price that we have to pay? I thought Jesus paid it all. <laughs> but you see, when we present ourselves to God, trumpets don't blow, fireworks don't go off. You know what the Bible says our self-presentation to God is called? Our reasonable service. Our reasonable service. You don't go up and thank your boss, do you, every week when you get a paycheck after you've put 40 hours in? Nicole, thank you so much for paying me this week. I worked 45 hours. Thank you for cutting that check. My family really appreciates it. No, 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 no. That's her reasonable service. I put in my hours. I did my job. She's my boss. She writes the check. I don't go up week after week after week after week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what the Bible says when we give ourselves to God as believers, as we present ourselves? It says it's our reasonable service. When you think about all he has done for you, reasonable service. When you think about what God brought you out of, reasonable service. When you think about the price that he paid on the cross, reasonable service. When you think about how he healed our brother Donovan, reasonable service. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you're a believer, it's just reasonable. It's just reasonable. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the Amplified. I don't think we have it. Yes, we do. Thank you. It says, look at this from the Amplified. I love this. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and of you in view of all, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. Notice this. I love this. To make a decisive dedication of your bodies, a decisive dedication, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, look at this, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. I love it. Make a decisive dedication. What we need in the body of Christ are people that will make a decisive dedication. I'm an emotional guy. I love to sing. I love to shout. I love to dance. I love altar calls where we come and cry and pray. I love to see people shout. I love to see people get excited. I love emotion. I love emotional church. As a matter of fact, I can't stand to be in a dead church service. And I really have a hard time being around dead believers. But you know what us emotional people need to do? We need to make a decisive dedication. Woo! I feel good. I feel good. And guess what? When you don't feel good, you laying around sinning. You laying around. You're not coming to church. You laying around cussing. You laying around fussing. You, you know what you need? You need to make a decisive dedication. A commitment to live at a higher level, even when you don't feel like it. The same kind of commitment you make when you get up and go to your job because you don't want to lose that job. 
You need that paycheck. The same kind of decision that you made when you said, till death do us part, and you meant it, and you're doing it. Paul said, make a decisive dedication, a presentation of all of our members and faculties. And you know what I love? He didn't say, I command you. He said, I beg you. In the King James, he said, I beseech you. He said, I'm appealing and begging you. You know why he's doing that? Because, folks, it's a voluntary act. You want what I'm doing today? I am begging you. I am beseeching you. I am imploring you. It's a call that I'm, 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 I'm putting out from the gospel, from the scripture. But guess what? You do not have to do it. It's completely up to you. Nobody can make you live at a higher level. It's got to be a voluntary action. As your pastor, I can't force you. I tried that in my younger years. I would beg. I would hold people's hands. I would hold their feet to the fire. I would dangle them over hell. I would love them. I would scare them. I would do whatever I could do to get them to live for God. And you know what I finally realized? Either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. I can't drag you to heaven, and I can't force you to go to hell. But I can't implore you. I can't beg you. God's not going to send Gabriel down to blow a trumpet in your face and get you to do it. We're not going to send out a spiritual search party for you if you want to be a spiritual slacker your entire life. See, that's what a real commitment is. It's a free will choice to serve the Lord. It's a free will choice to do something great for God. The call to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and live a committed life, in contrast with the Old Testament, the animal sacrifices that were slain and presented dead. Think about it for a minute. In the Old Testament, there were dead sacrifices. But now under the new covenant, God's looking for a living sacrifice and service. Here's another important point I want you to get. The emphasis here in the New Testament is the ongoing nature of the sacrifice. Think about it. A slain sacrifice could only be offered once. Then it was consumed. A living sacrifice is offered every single day. That's why Paul said, I got to die daily. He didn't say I die once. I die every day. I die every day because I'm making a new sacrifice. The living sacrifice of our bodies to his service involves a daily, lifelong commitment for the cause of the kingdom. It's an ongoing thing. It doesn't end. It's not a one and done deal. See, that's why, if I can be real honest with you, I don't understand how some believers don't ever come to the altar. I expected that response. See, I don't, I don't understand why some believers don't ever really just pour their heart out to God and say, God, forgive me. God, I want to renew my commitment. I want to rededicate myself. I want to walk fresh in this new calling that you've placed on my life. I want to go to a higher level. I don't want to just rev my engines, God. I want to get myself in motion and do whatever you want me to do. See, this old boy knows i got to die every day. So you think the law was tough in the Old Testament? Living under grace is a much higher law. It's a much higher law. You can list all the rules of the law, and guess what? You either keep them or you break them. Living under grace, though, it's every day. It's not as rigid as the law is. It's way more fluid. It's something different for everybody. It's a different day. It's your reasonable service. Your living under grace is going to look a lot different than my living under grace. And it takes real spiritual maturity to understand that, by the way. So before you start sizing up somebody else's spirituality, you need to remember they're living under their grace. you got to live under your grace. Amen? Good preaching, Pastor. Amen. See, we sometimes use the term that somebody's not fully committed, and I know what we mean when we say that. But really, to think about it, to be half committed or partially committed, that's, that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? You're either committed or you're not committed. To commit ourselves to God means that we're to yield ourselves to Him. We're to surrender to Him. We're to abandon ourselves to Him. We're to entrust ourselves to Him. We're to place our, uh, ourselves at His disposal each and every day. Living a committed life, presenting yourselves, requires a response. It does. And coupled with that response also is a directive for our Christian living and conduct. And a lot of people, don't, they don't want to be told that they got to live a certain way, but the Bible implores us. Look at the next verse, Romans 12 and 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what don't be conformed means? It means don't put on the form, fashion, or appearance of another. Don't be conformed. It may refer to anything pertaining to our habits, our mannerisms, how we dress, how we talk, our style of living, among other things in our walk with God. In other words, the passage says that you, if, if, if you answer the call to commitment to present yourself, you can't allow other people or other situations to, to squeeze you or force you into its mold. Be not conformed to this world. See, when God saves us, we got to commit and understand we got to be different than the world. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18 from, from the Living Bible. It says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For you are God's temple, the home of the living God. And God has said of you, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That is why the Lord has said, leave them. Separate yourselves from them. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you and be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. See, the call to God also means I've got to walk away from some things. I've got to separate myself from some things. Don't be conformed to this world. It's mindset. It's ideology. It's value system. You want to know why? And I'm not going to, I don't have time to get into specific issues today. All you got to do is watch the news or watch entertainment. You want to know why the world is so messed up on our views on sexuality and entertainment and gender and all this kind of stuff? It's because we've allowed the world to squeeze us into its mold. We've allowed a vocal minority of unbelievers to force believers and even conscientious people that are not Christians into its mold. We've stood by and we have, oh, I'm going to get on my soapbox now. We have silently acquiesced to our society to the point where they are forcing their will and agenda on us and we're standing back and going, oh, how terrible the world must be. Don't be conformed to this world. Draw a line in the sand. Say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will teach our children what is right. We will be different. We will come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Come on, I feel a holy challenge. We got to step up and say, I am a child of God and I am different. I act different, I walk different, I talk different, I live different, I am different. I look different, I speak different. Leave them, the Scripture said. See, committed Christians, we don't need to be like the world. First Peter 2 and 9 said, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You know, I used to read that when I was a new believer. In the King James, it says, peculiar people. And, and in my ignorance, I thought that meant weird. you got to be weird. But that word peculiar actually means special. Set apart. Isn't that beautiful? You are God's special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Your lifestyle proclaims the praises of God. Your differentness, your specialness, your being called out is a testimony to our world. See, when people see you going about your business, they need to know that you're a Christian. When they wait on you at your table, interact with you, they need to know that you're different. I went in to get a haircut yesterday, and I sat down, and uh, the lady was asking me how I wanted to cut, and she had a little ticket, and, she, and I said, you've cut my hair before. She said, yes, I remember you. She said, because you made me smile, and I felt really good after I talked to you. I said, thank you, Jesus. I want my life to be different. I want to interact with people different. You say, oh, well, that's just you got an outgoing personality. No, no, no. I just want to show the love of Jesus to people. Amen. Come on, we need to let our life be different. When people wait on your table, when people cut your hair, when people check you out at the grocery store, when they interact with you on the job, they need to know there's something different about them. They act different. They talk different. They are different. You see, folks, we can learn how to balance being in the world but not being of the world. 
Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you got to go join a convent or a monastery and we got to just build a big complex right here and some apartments and everybody live here and be safe and build a giant wall. And keep, no, 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 no. But your modesty, your motives, your mouth, your attitude, your everything will testify if you have come out from among them. The next part of the verse, chapter 12, verse 2 says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. We get the word metamorphosis from that word. It means transformation. It means a marked change in appearance or character or condition or function. In biology, you may already know this, but a metamorphosis is a change in the form and often the habits of an animal during normal development. After the embryonic stage, in every committed Christian, there's got to be marked changes when we move beyond the embryonic stage. There's got to be marked changes. We move from just doing enough to survive as a Christian to wanting to thrive as a Christian. Amen. I don't want to just Pete Rose slide my way into heaven. I don't want to just barely get there by my fingernails. Amen. I don't want when I get to the judgment seat of Christ for him to go, I'm not too sure about this one. (laughs) So you got to do more. You want to move beyond that. You want to answer a call that means I do everything to the best of my abilities. And then when I fall, I get back up again. I try again. We present ourselves as an acceptable offering unto the Lord. Now, what qualifies as an acceptable offering? Well, let's look at Malachi 1 and what was not an acceptable offering. Malachi 1, chapter 7, I'm almost done. It says, you have, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Ask yourself, believer, what kind of sacrifices am I offering? Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? That's a good question to ask. You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. Verse 8, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? And I love this. Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord. He says, why don't you try to palm one of those off on your leaders? And see what he thinks about it. But then verse 13 says this, look. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Lord, I love you. I'm going to bring you my crippled lamb to show you how well. Lord, I love you. Hey, Robin, find the sickest goat that we've got. Because that's not going to live anyway. Let's offer that to the Lord. Lord, I love you. Do we have any blind stuff back there? I don't want to bring the good stuff. Lord, I love you. I'm going to give you a half effort this week. Lord, I love you. You've been talking to me about this for years. And I'm still not listening. Lord, I love you. And he says, then why do you defile the altar? You know what I'm going to tell you? I really believe this with all my heart. I believe the Lord would be thrilled with you bringing that crippled sacrifice if that's the best sacrifice you've got. Matter of fact, God loves, the Bible says he loves broken and contrite people. He's in the healing and restoration business. Amen. I want you to stand with me right now. I want the praise team to come. But here's what I want to ask you. You don't have to respond. I want you to answer this question in your own heart. And remember what I said. Grace is different for each of us. Here's my question. What kind of sacrifices are you offering? Are you answering the call to commitment? Are you answering the call to just get by? Are you answering the call to a higher level? Are you answering the call to mediocrity? Are you answering the call to holy living? Are you answering the call to worldliness?
See, the only acceptable offering that is worthy of a committed life is for us to bring our very best to Jesus. Because he's not looking for half-hearted secondary service offered as an afterthought. Hear me. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't have to be the most talented. But whatever you have to offer, you ought to do it to the very best of your ability. And when you do mess up, fess up. That's what this altar's for. Amen? That's what your personal prayer closet is for. Paul stressed that the Lord is not asking for anything unreasonable. Amen? He said we owe our lives, our joy, and our hope to God. Not only is He our creator, but He becomes our Savior. There's a call. Joel, could you begin playing? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just let him talk to you here for just a moment, right where you're at. Just let him talk to you. Father, I'm inviting you right now. The call has been made. On behalf of you, God, I have begged and I have implored. I've tried to do today what your scripture says, God. I'm imploring this body of believers and even those in this room that are not believers to present us ourselves afresh to you. And God, right now, talk to us. Speak to us. That's it. Just go ahead and listen. I'm going to be quiet. Just go ahead and listen for just a few moments. For those of you who don't know, this is Pastor Isaac. He pastors how many churches in Ghana? Three churches in Ghana. And God's brought him into our fellowship for a while. He's been with us for a while. I've been meeting with him. And we're involved in what he's doing. He felt like the Lord gave him a, a word, a prophetic word. And I, I, he wants to share it real quickly. I'm allowed to do that real quick. Thank you very much. And God bless you. Praise God, church. Uh, tonight... Before this morning, God gave me a revelation about life, life church. Then as, as I was in the back there, as the pastor was preaching, Holy Spirit was talking to me that I need to share this revelation with you. Hallelujah. I saw in my revelation that I came to the church this morning with my wife, and in the entrance there, the whole place was full with people. And uh, the back there, after the door, the whole place will became very big, like the main auditorium. And there's a, a people, more people, and they are given a gift. Before you enter to the main church, they will present a gift to you and also a coupon. Then when we enter here, the whole like, it's like there's no place for people to stay. And pastor was standing here. When he mentioned your name, here too, they are given a gift. When you mention the name, then the person will come and that gift is wrapping. They wrap with a wrapper. When you mention, you mention everybody's name, when they will mention the name, the person will walk and come and take the, the gift. But the entrance there is like people who are selling the materials. So when you enter there, they will give the material for you, then save. And before you get to the main entrance, they give you a coupon. So I was praying and asked the meaning of this revelation. And Holy Spirit give me the two interpretations. And the number one inter interpretation is when we go to heaven, God is going to reward everybody 
according to what we did for God, not according to our church going, but according to what we we'll do for the Lord. Don't mind my accent, but mind the, the content. Hallelujah. God bless you. The interpret, interpretation number two represents the spiritual gift and the blessing that God is releasing upon this church. Somebody will, ha will have this revelation and thinking when I come to church, today they are going to give us a pastry or gift, not a physical gift. But spiritually, God is going to bless the church especially people with the sincere hearts. Hallelujah. So if you have the opportunity or privilege to be a member of the large church, don't joke with it. Hallelujah. Today the preaching, the pastor preached, is touched my heart. Hallelujah. Some people go to church but their body does not belong to God. Most of the time, when you preach to people in a, in a, in a workplace, they'll tell you, I'm born again. But during the break time, before you see them smoking, drinking all kind of alcohol, which is defy our body. Hallelujah. And since I came to this church, uh, over one year now, Today is my first time I saw the people. The whole church is full. All the church is full. Many God is beginning a new church, a new thing. God is beginning a new thing 2019. Maybe you are here. Today is your first time. A friend invites you. Somebody invites you. You are not Christian. You are not belong to any church. Somebody invites you. Today is opportunity day for you to give yourself fully to God. Make this house your home. Never live here today without accepting Jesus Christ. Because the revelation I saw, I know that Jesus Christ is to not be wrong. Jesus will come. And he's coming for his sins. Those who believe him. So do, don't be a churchgoer. Be involved in everything that is going on in this house. And God has given us a wonderful pastor here. When you come here, they don't say you are just coming. It's a newcomer. He give they give opportunity to, for everybody. Therefore, I'm begging you, as the scripture say, Hallelujah, I'm begging you. Do everything possible as he's about to make the altar call. This is the heavy call. Heavenly invitation. Don't live here. What I'm saying, if everybody is going to do that, pastor, believe me, it will come to a time you have to find another way to expand this building. Or, I'm saying that it will come to a time this church, you are going to run a second service. If you believe, offer the hand clapping unto God. Hallelujah. You, you start a second service. It will not be long. Hallelujah. God bless you. Hallelujah. There it is. This altar's open. To believers that want to recommit, to believers that want to go to a higher level, to people that are unbelievers that want to come and make that first step in your walk with God. This altar's open. Praise team, let's begin to worship. Would you come? Would you step out from where you are? Yes, God. Come on, that's it. Yes, yes, yes. God's doing a new work. He's doing a new work, God. I want to answer the call. I want to answer the call.
pressing in. Just keep pressing in. There's plenty of room. Keep pressing in. Yes. Oh, God, I love you. I commit myself. I commit myself, my body, my mind, my spirit, my will, my dreams, my passions. I commit it all to you, Jesus. Oh, oh. 
Let's all just bless him. Let's close this service with a high praise. Can we do it? Hallelujah. I bless your holy name. That's it. Yes. Thank you, God, for all you've done for me. I gladly present myself. I gladly present myself, God. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my healing. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings, God. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good, Lord. You're so good, Lord. If you're still in this altar praying, feel free to continue to pray. Praise team's going to keep singing for a few moments. I'm going to dismiss the rest of you if you need to go. But if you're in this altar and you're still praying, feel free to continue praying right now. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. See you next week. Amen.